Alrighty, we are back with another episode of the Ask Philip podcast. For those listening and not watching live, you are missing one of my, my favorite scarf. My wife got me a bunch of these scarves in the wintertime because I liked them. At first, I didn't like it. It's funny how your wife knows you better than you know yourself. When she bought the first scarf, I didn't really like it. But I just said I didn't like it because I never had a scarf. And then I wore it, and I liked it. And so then she bought me a Rockets one. This is my Saints one. If, so if, if, if you want to see it and you're listening, you got to go to my Ask Philip Facebook page and check it out. But I'm rocking it for this Sunday's game. We're going to take Tom Brady down. We're gonna, it's like a time traveling game because we got like two 70 year old quarter, I mean, uh, 40 year old quarterbacks <laughs> going, going head to head. It's going to be a great game. It's going to actually be after Saturday because on, on Saturday, I'm competing again in a Muay Thai tournament, my second one. I plan to retire a champ again. So I'll be, uh, you know, bruised up watching the game, relaxing. But let's get to investing. Because so a lot of things that I've been talking about when it comes to the crypto world and Bitcoin and all this kind of stuff was led by looking at the economy. And so a lot of people have heard about P.E. ratios when you're analyzing stocks or analyzing the industry or looking at uh, revenue growth and earnings growth. And that's important. That's called like micro, you know, looking at the micro analysis, which is individual companies and stocks. But macro analysis involves looking at the economy because the economy is the biggest headwind that dictates what asset classes do well. I did the last podcast episode on that, I believe, and covered that in detail on the 2021 investment economic update, so I won't beat that point to a drum. But the other part that we didn't cover was what are the things you look at to determine what's going on in the economy. So I'm not going to go deep into all the things that we look at. I'm just going to kind of give a big level overview of the types of things that we look at and and maybe we'll build those out over time. So whenever I'm personally analyzing the economy, these are some of the things that I look at. The, the first one is stock market valuation. And, and specifically going back to last week's episode, when I want to I want to look at the reserve country uh, stock market. So that's the U.S. right now. And it's been the U.S. for the last 50, 60, 70 years because money flows into the reserve currency market whenever global growth is risky or or, 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 or shaky or uncertain or, or all of those things, right? And so I look at the reserve currency stock market valuation in relation to bonds and other country as, asset class, right? If if it's relatively expensive like it is today, that's a that's a signal, right? It's probably it's probably time for a pretty close to a trend change. If it's re- relatively cheap, you know, IE in the 1980s, which was before a two-decade bull market in 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 the US or uh, relatively cheap like after the 2008 stock market crash, then it's a sign that hey, money's very likely going to flow back into the reserve uh, currency country. Other thing I look at is M2, right? M2 is the the measure of money supply, right? And you can do a Google search on the exact definition of M2, but it basically just shows how much money is moving around the system, right? The faster money moves around the system, the higher likelihood of inflation, right? So growth, inflation, two, two things that determine asset movements. Central bank balance sheets, 
right? So, and this is important at different stages of the long-term cycle, but it's more important now towards the end because, you know, you have a situation right now where this year the U.S. bought more than 100% of the bonds that we issue, right? Meaning whenever a country needs money, they can do tax to get money or they could sell debt to pay for things. And so for whatever, 30, 30, 20, 30 years, the U.S. Have, has gotten foreigners to finance his debt, and that's how we've been able to run deficits and not get into any trouble. Well, now we're at a point where foreigners don't want to buy our debt as much. Right? I put a LinkedIn post today on my LinkedIn page about you know Russia's central bank balance sheet, but a lot of people don't want to diversify away from the dollar. So not many people are wanting to buy dollars, so we're having to basically print money to buy our own bonds, which you might be like, doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't make any. It doesn't make any sense. Which is why you have things like uh, gold and Bitcoin and people wanting to get out of paper money because that type of stuff is causes people and institutions and wealthy people to lose faith uh, in the currency. But you want to look at the central bank balance sheet because that's going to indicate like, okay, are they buying bonds? Are they buying stocks? It's going to give you a clue into the money printing and how much money printing is being done. And then you can make a determination on look at it. Because by the way, all this stuff fits in together. So you're not looking at one and making the decision. You're looking at everything. And it's kind of like a puzzle that's moving at all times to to help you look at probabilities. Because when you're investing, you're never you're, you're never going to have any certain, you know, any guarantees, right? You're looking at probabilities, right? What is the money? Money doesn't evaporate. It goes different places. So you're saying, okay, What's the probability of money moving here relative to here? And you're analyzing all these things. So this is another input. Uh, relative strength of asset classes. So relative strength means over this period of time, what is the what's growing the most, right? Which means the market. Think of the mar- the market like a democracy. People are voting based on where they're putting their money, on where they think the most value you know is at any given time. And so even though one person might be smart, the market as a whole is like really really smart together. And so if, if if you're looking at stocks, bonds, commodities, cryptocurrencies, different country stocks, and maybe over a 12-month 12 12 period of time, you know, you start seeing gold grow relative to other country currencies, right? So if gold is rising relative to the euro or relative to the dollar or relative to everything and is hitting new all-time highs uh, priced in the different currencies, then that lets you know okay, the market doesn't like something that these governments are doing, right? Or if the U.S. stock market is rising relative to other stock markets, it lets you know, all right, people are um, not excited about what's going on in global growth, so they're looking for safe havens, right? Uh, And again, that example might assume that, you know, U.S. stock prices are priced Anyway, I don't want to go too nerd on you, but you're looking at valuations too, because you can't just say if you if money's coming in the U.S., you got to also look at valuations. Because if emerging markets are super expensive, then it make and U.S. are cheap, then it makes sense, right? But if U.S. asset prices are fairly priced and emerging markets are super super cheap to where it's priced to have a high return, you know, for the money you put into it, then it lets you know, okay, people are nervous about what's going on in global growth, right? So these are kind of inputs that you're looking into. So relative strength of the different asset classes. What's what's growing the most over a period of time? Uh, government debt. How much money is the government debt, and what's the growth rate? Right. Specifically, I like to look at government debt to, to GDP, which is you know basically a measure of how much we're producing as an economy. The higher the debt to G- think of like 
debt to GDP, like debt to income ratio on on a person's credit score, right? The higher, all things being equal, right? The doesn't it doesn't it's not good or bad until it gets beyond the point, right? Once it gets beyond the point, then you're like, all right, that's a bad credit score. So debt to GDP kind of gives you an idea of what's the credit score of the of the government uh, you're looking at. Treasury interest rates. So when you're looking at interest rates, and I'm speaking specifically of the reserve currency, so U.S. right now, you have like the 10-year government bond rate that you want to look at, which gives you some insight into long-term growth rates. It also gives you insight into inflation, but the better insight into inflation is looking at treasury inflation protected bonds, right? They're, they're going to be more accurate over time on like inflation. So you might look at the 10-year government, you know, 10-year government bond rate, 10-year treasury rate. You see those rates are probably going to be different. They tell you two separate things separately, but together they also tell you, all right, what is the real rate of return? Right. And and again, this stuff doesn't always apply. But if you see a sharp spike in the treasury protected inflation bond rate and you don't get that spike in the regular bond rate, right, and they're relatively close, then that says, oh, man, rates are likely going to be negative in the future. And maybe I want to think about owning gold, Bitcoin, that kind of stuff. So so that that this example happened in the late spring, early summer, right around the time people start going into gold and Bitcoin because the tip rate spiked once the U.S. start printing a bunch of money. So again, if you were looking at everything, you looked at everything and you said, all right, U.S. stock market expensive, central bank balance sheet increased a lot. You had the interest rates that did what, that, did what I just explained they did, right? And then you had the relative strength of gold and Bitcoin pick up in that period of time and let you know, oh, that's a clue. Maybe I should pay attention. The yield curve, right? The yield curve is basically short-term bond interest rates versus long-term bond interest rates. And without boring you with too much detail, that's going to give an insight into if the economy is expanding or contracting, right? If, if, if that spread gets bigger, so if there's a bigger gap between short-term rates and long-term rates, that's good. If it shrinks, let me not say good, that's, that's expansionary to a point because this all depends on like how fast it moves. Uh, as well, because if, if it moves too fast, that may not be right as good. And if it if it compresses, if it if there's a smaller gap between the short term rate and long term rate, that's that's a different signal, right? It's not bad or good, but it depends on how fast it happens, right? And if it inverts, right? If it if you're paid more money to hold government bonds in the short term than you are the long term, that means that's an inverted yield curve. That signals a tightening of of, of credit, which typically uh, leads to a recession down the road. So that's the importance of yield curve. And then U.S. surplus and deficit, right? So meaning, do we make enough money to pay our bills every single year? And we, we've been running a deficit for a long period of time. And and that in and of itself is not important information because we ran a deficit for a long period of time. And there's been times we run a deficit where the dollar was going up, when the dollar was going down, right? What matters is looking at that in the context of everything else, right? So we're kind of in a new paradigm where since other governments are no longer willing to buy U.S. bonds to, to finance our consumption, right, then that deficit becomes more important. People look at the deficit different now because they're like, all right, cool, if nobody's buying the bonds and we're printing money to fund our own thing, 
now the deficit is more important. People are like, I don't like the deficit as much whenever people are not willing to finance U.S. consumption. And so it's, it's, it didn't matter as much before. It's mattering more and more, you know, in this new paradigm shift. So these are just some examples of things that I look at. And again, a lot, a lot of folks want a cookie cutter, look at this, look at that, and make the decision that way. It, 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 it doesn't work that way. It's, it's more like painting, right? A good artist has maybe like core things that they do consistently, but they're kind of using all their senses to create the masterpiece. And so when you're, when you're analyzing the economy, like you're looking at lots of different things to give you insight into it, and you're kind of stacking them together. All right, this, here's my clue. From this, here's my clue. From this, here's my clue. And then you're kind of adding them up, and you're like, all right, putting this all together, this scenario is more likely than this scenario, right? So you begin to allocate your investments that way, but I think it's still important to be diversified, right? Because all this stuff I mentioned before, there's no guarantee. And this stuff changes on a daily basis, right? And they almost all never line up perfectly, right? So you have to understand what they mean, do your research, and think in terms of probabilities. But that's that's what goes on, right? It's, it's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. This is something that maybe like a financial advisor, a regular one, is probably not going to do. Because they, you know, they're going to recommend the mutual funds and portfolios their big company does. But if you're working with like an independent wealth manager, um, like myself, who's actually managing the money, this is what we're doing. Or if you're managing your own money, these are some of the things that you're going to want to do to decide how much of your money goes into what the different types of stocks or mutual funds or index funds or whatever you use to build build your portfolio. So that's really all I have for today. To keep it short and simple. Wish me luck on Saturday. You can do that on Twitter, ask underscore Philip. I'm trying to build my Twitter up, y'all, because I found I, I, I found out that Instagram's really good for my like Muay Thai stuff, visual stuff. People don't really on Instagram to like learn about money. I mean, some are, but for the most part, people use Twitter for that stuff. And I find myself I like to go to Twitter for to get educated, right? Less than Instagram, and so being more active on Twitter, I'll post like a daily investment thought, and I'm also hanging out in the crypto finance Twitter and, and, and investing Twitter. So follow me there for, for, for more of this type of stuff. And, you know, wish me luck on the fight there too, just so I can get you to follow me on Twitter so you can hear that kind of stuff. But I think that's it. Who that for all the Saints fans out there and for all the Tampa Bay fans out there, you can, um, never mind. If you listen to podcasts, I like you, so I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to tell you good luck though. So I hope you lose. Have a good day. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.